headship of Christ. Amen, which is what we want to stay under. Luke 10 and 21, it says, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your, uh, your church this morning that you have here on the earth, not only here but all across the U.S. and all across the world. We thank you for them. We may be small in number, but, Lord, mighty in power. I pray you would empower us to do your work, Lord, until the day that you come. Lord, and occupy till you come. I pray you'd move in this service this morning. Lord, as I already feel your presence here, may you anoint me to speak, Lord. Anoint the people to hear. Move me out of the way, Lord, and speak through lips of clay. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to take this a different direction than I have in the past on the same scripture. You know, there's certain things in life which we've always assumed are wisdom, or we would assume that a certain person that acts a certain way or has certain qualities would have wisdom. I, uh, Brother Peter, my son Peter, told me about a, uh, a test that someone had run and said he, he put a, a fake unibrow. On and he, he took, you know what that is, it's an eyebrow, it goes all the way across the top of your, your head. And, and so he took that and he put it on, he went to Walmart. And he, he went in there and he began to talk to people. And, and he said when he had that unibrow on, he said the average person spoke so many words, I think 13 words or something like that, to him. And uh, they were very rude to him. And, and he even asked one person, where can I find a good restaurant? And they said, find your own. And, and uh, he went back in another Walmart with a took that off and just looked normal and walked in there and, and people talked, the average words was twice as many and, uh, and no one was rude and everybody was pleasant. Why? Because we judge people by appearance, right? And there's an appearance of wisdom that we think, well, that person is, is old and so he must be wise. That's not always true. It, it's generally true, but not always true. Right? A person usually is wiser because they're older, but sometimes people learn the wrong things. Right? If life has taught you the wrong lessons, that don't mean that you're wise. And then, so people assume that age brings wisdom, but the Bible, in, Eli, in, uh, in the story of Elihu and, and Job, when Elihu, the son of Barakal the Buzite, answered and said, I'm young. He said, you're very old. I like the way he put that. He, he had a great difference in our ages. That I'm young and you are very old. I don't know if we have any very old people here this morning, but he said, You're very old. He said, Wherefore I was afraid and durst not show you mine opinion. I said, Days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom, and they should. He said, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. And so this godly wisdom that we want to talk about this morning doesn't come. Uh, from the world or from experience or from age, it comes from the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right? It's the wisdom of the Holy Ghost who is God who comes down and indwells us. And when we have the Holy Spirit, then that Spirit produces wisdom in our life, godly wisdom. Now, he said there's a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. So it's not age. We might look at a person and say, well, their learning makes them, makes them wise. But 
That's not always true either. Because the Bible says that in the end times the people would be ever learning. But never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They would be intellectual in their approach but never able. Oh my, I pray we would never get that way around the message. That we'd become intellectual in our approach to the message. But never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. To really understand what it means. Because you can't understand it outside of revelation. Right? It must come. And where does revelation come from? The Spirit of God. So now, uh, so it, and it's according to the Word. If it is the real Spirit of God, it will be according to the Word. Now, so we look at that and we think, well, that should be wisdom. Experience, we think, should be wisdom. But as I said, it depends on what kind of experience. I want you to know this morning that when Jesus stood in front of the Sanhedrin and he was being judged and they, they sentenced him to death, took him to Pilate's hall. They said he must die. When he was standing there, every member of the Sanhedrin was older than him. You had to be at least 40 to even stand in that body. Every one of them had good pedigrees. You couldn't have, they would search all the way back. Not one of them men had had an illegitimate birth going all the way back or they couldn't sit there. They searched those men. They, they found that they had to be lettered. They had to understand Greek mythology. They had to understand witchcraft yeah. they, because they had to judge those things. They had to understand the Torah. They had to literally be able to quote the words of Moses from memory, the entire thing. Right. And so they were standing there and, be, and being able to do all that. These were qualified men. These were men with much wisdom, as the world would say that wisdom is. They were men that had everything uh, you would think. You would look at those men and say, that's who God would speak through. If he's going to speak through somebody, it must be those 70 men. These were the elders of God's chosen people. And God came down in flesh. And walked right down there with them. Walked right down in their streets. Yeah. Walked among their people and they didn't see who he was. That's right. They did not recognize. They knew the word, yeah. but they didn't recognize the word made flesh. That's right. <laughs> they didn't have any godly wisdom. Right. They had worldly wisdom that they thought was godly wisdom because they studied the scriptures. Yeah. But it was not godly wisdom because if they were wise, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They dismissed the word because he hadn't studied the word under their teachers. Think about that for a moment. We need to think about who we dismiss and what we dismiss because, well, it didn't come from the right place. It didn't, it's not qualified the way we would think in, in our message qualifications that we have, but we need to look and see what is the, what is it saying? What is the inspiration Where did the inspiration come from? Is it with the message of the hour? Look at what's being said. And I've had people, and this is not why I'm preaching this, but some time ago there was a person who came to church here, and they told me, they said, I'd like to uh, to come. They said, it's a good church. seems like a good church. You have a good spirit. said, but I need an older pastor. And I thought, well, you know, sometimes they may have needed an older pastor. I don't consider myself very young, but I'm not old either. I'm not very old either. But you look at that and, and you begin to think, and, and what, are we, what are we valuing? We're valuing age as if every older pastor is going to be able to produce something that a younger pastor is not. But listen, I can't produce anything anyway. It takes the Word to do that. 
What is the inspiration? What is the, what is it? Well, the young people are carrying away and, and doing things, and they're, they're, they're running away with the message and doing things that are wrong. But don't look at whether they're young or old. Look at what the, what's happening and compare it with the Word of God and see if it's right or not. Yeah, right. There you go. Yes, sir. Huh. Good. See the results of it. See if it's right. And see if it matches the Word. And again, I'm not discounting great ministries or long uh, people who have been around a long time. I'm long in the tooth when it comes to having preached compared to maybe some other brothers here. And a couple of our brothers are, I guess Joel's the only one that we would call a, a youngster among us as far as just starting out in the ministry. But you take that and you look at that and think it's not about how long you've preached. It's not about how how much of the message you've read or how many tapes you've listened to, although that's all good, but that's not what qualifies you to stand and, and, and speak the word of God. What qualifies you? Do you have inspiration from God? And does it match the word of God? And everything else we need to discount because God can come down in flesh among us, and I believe he does many times, and we look at it and we judge that person. Oh, they couldn't be a deacon. They couldn't be a trustee. They couldn't be a, they couldn't be a song leader. They couldn't do that. Look at them. They don't have the qualifications. You're judging by the outward man. Maybe that's who God wants for the job. Maybe that's who God wants for the job. And you're judging by, by material circumstances. Nobody would have judged David as being the one of Jesse's sons. Even a prophet looked at him and said, surely this isn't him. His own father didn't even bring him up because he was so disqualified physically to be a king. But, but the Lord said, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Listen to me. The denominational church may disqualify us today from being a real church. They may look and say, there's not very many. You don't have very much going on. But I'll tell you this, under the auspices of God, the bride is exactly what he's doing. It's all that he's doing in this hour is under the bride. Are you with me now? We are God made flesh today. We are the word walking today. And just like in that age, the, the people discounted him and the people dismissed us as well. And they don't recognize. They can't see. Because they say, well, we know the word. But you don't know the author. Oh, my. Can you imagine? Word made flesh by the Joel, and, and they yeah. looked at him and said, he hasn't studied long enough. Yeah. Brother Brandon put it this way, what school did you come from? Yeah. 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 Well, where, where, where were you brought up? Which teacher? Did you study under Gamaliel? Did you study under Hillel? Did you study under one of the other great teachers of that age? This was the age of learning. When the Jews come out of Babylon, they turned Judaism in from where it had been a more emotional, a more a vibrant religion where they worshipped and things, they turned it into just a teaching religion where, where they, they consider, that's why you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they would argue over doctrine and, and there was no spirit in it at all but it was just a, everything was a form everything was a theology and so they brought them all up together there and they said surely if the Messiah would come, he would come under Hillel, surely he would be an Essene, surely he would be a Pharisee surely he would be a Sadducee surely he would be a scribe, surely Surely he would be in the family. You know, they, boy, I'm going to get myself in trouble this morning. But you know, there's certain families in, the Jude, in Judaism that if you were connected to the high priest, remember they took Jesus to Annas. Yeah. You remember that? Because he was brother-in-law to the high priest. 
right? And that's what, the way they acted. They, all these people in the Sanhedrin, they all were connected by marriage. They were all connected in family. They knew their families. They knew all about them. And because they weren't part of the family, they, because Jesus wasn't part of the family, he was born. Oh, my, but listen, he wasn't part of any of their families. His daddy was God. <laughs> you talk about a lineage. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, it must have scandalized them. Y'all are just with me this morning. I, I'll get to my notes after a while. It must have scandalized them to see him walking out there and claiming to be the son of God. And he's walking out there, and they know that he come out of Nazareth. And even, even Philip said, or Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Huh. Like we would say today, a hardy-eyed or from Louisiana or wherever you're from, you know. Can any good thing come out of the South? Can any good thing come out of Arkansas? And here he come out, and, and, and they looked at him, and even when Matthew gives the genealogy, if you go and look at it, it talks about it does pretty good for a while, and then it talks, he brings in the women, and they must have, it must have scandalized them. They looked at that and said, you mean that he's one that descended his father, yeah. earthly father Joseph was descended out of Rahab of the harlot? Yeah. You mean that in his family there was Tamar who actually produced a seed by her own father-in-law? Yeah. Here's the one. Here's all the ones that were there. And he brought them on down through. Here's Ruth of Moabitess. Amen. It must have scandalized them to see that pedigree. But let me tell you, he was the most pure one that had ever stood before him. He was the most righteous one that would ever stand in a court. He was the, he was the least guilty. And yet they judged him guilty. He, it, was the, it was the least guilt that you could ever have on a person. But it was prophesied that it would be that way. He was despised and rejected. We esteemed him not. There was no beauty that we should desire him. He didn't have worldly wisdom the way the world does. He had the wisdom of the Father. Better watch how we judge things, even in the local church. One of these kids start preaching or start singing or start doing something. He says, ah, it's just a kid. Watch how we judge things. They don't know what they're doing, but is it the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Listen, yeah. when the, Wesley said it this way, he said the grand maxims which obtain in the world, and this is kind of wordy because it's the way John Wesley was in the time that he lived in, but he said the more power, the more money, the more learning, the more reputation a man has, the more good he will do. Huh. He says, and whenever a Christian pursuing the noblest ends forms his behavior by these maxims, in other words, if he believes that if he has more power, more money, more learning, yeah. more reputation, he'll do more good. Right. He said he will infallibly, though perhaps by insensible degrees, slowly decline into worldly prudence right. or worldly wisdom. Yeah. You just automatically assume. And don't tell me that you don't in the flesh because I do the same thing. I'll tell you what. I, I, the other day I drove home from Tennessee. And uh, driving across Tennessee, I, I wore uh, a suit to a wedding. And, or not a wedding, a funeral. About the same thing. And, but, uh, but Gabe's not here this morning, I can say that. But uh, we'll have a wedding coming up on Saturday. But uh, I was driving home from that funeral, and I still had my suit on. And I went into a Cracker Barrel, and I've never had service like that. 
And I remember Brother Ivy told me years ago, he said, when you go, when you travel, he said, everybody travels in, in uh, just light clothes. And I like to travel in light clothes, too, because I hate getting on an airplane and everything's. But he said, if you wear a jacket, a suit jacket, people treat you differently. And it's true. I got really good service because of how I was dressed. And I thought, well, I could have walked in here like I normally dress, you know, and not been, not been treated very well. But if you dress like Joe's dressed this morning, you're going to get good service in a restaurant. Try that day and see if that works. Huh? But why? Because people look at that. They look at the outward appearance. And if we're not careful, that's the way we judge preachers. And it's how we judge deacons. And it's how we judge one another. I tell you, I love the, you know, we talk about democracy. The church is the most democratic thing that there is. Because if every well-dressed man in the church voted one way and every little widow woman voted another and there were more widow women, the widow women would rule. <laughs> oh, that hurts, don't it? <laughs> but that's the truth. Yes. Huh? Because she's got as much right to vote in this church as I do. Right? And I bring that up because we just voted this morning. But don't you see what that does? It shows us that God puts as much value in every member of the church as he does in the pastor when it comes to those things. And I'll tell you what, you'll be surprised when we get to heaven if there are church-specific awards. If there was a church-specific award ceremony and we were to give out and they had, you know how they do, I remember... Going to Brother Ivy's, you know, we had to, and I'd like to do something like that here. Maybe not the same thing, but every year we learned scriptures that the people did, and, or the children did, and they all had the, the rewards. Well, mine were gone all the time because I preached out, and so my kids went with me, and so mine would get the small awards. And I just, I wanted so badly for them to get the whole hundred scriptures, you know, or whatever they had to learn in a year. And Peter almost made it. His last year, he almost made it. I think he got 98 or something like that. And, Man, because I wanted him to get one of the big trophies. But if there were church-specific awards in heaven, and they begin to hand out for Word of Life Tabernacle, all the, the saints that have been here over the years, and, and if they begin to hand out the awards, I wonder who would get the big one. I don't get no reward for being a pastor. I'm called to do that. Huh? I don't get a reward for that. Now, that's Bible teaching. I get a reward for going above and beyond, right? Not for being just being a pastor, right? But look at that. Who would get the biggest reward? Probably not who we think. May not be the person who sang the most. Well, I'm happy for our singers, but that may not be who got the, the most rewards. Maybe the least among you. Maybe the person who couldn't sing, which I guess is how Brother Wendell defines Saw that the other day defines uh, the least it's the person who can't sing or play an instrument. It might be that person who gets the biggest reward because they've been praying daily. It might be the person who can barely walk, barely make it through the door, but they walk in and they shuffle in, they sit down. At every service, they're praying, Oh God, oh God, help our pastor today. Oh, God, help the musicians today. And the musicians find suddenly they can play. And the pastor finds there's a good spirit in the church where he can preach and get free and begin to talk to the people. And, and everything begins to flow. Why? Because somebody come in day after day and year after year and was faithful to the house of God. I believe their reward will be on the big end of the table if there is such a thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? Yes, sir. 
people look at wisdom the wrong way. Listen, and the, the Corinthians were so eaten up with that, and that Greek world was. And they loved wisdom. They loved somebody who knew something. And so in 1 Corinthians 1.17, Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize. And he said that because they were baptizing, and, and, and they'd get baptized by Paul or Apollos or, or different ones, and they'd say, Paul baptized me. Who baptized you? You know, if you ever got dedicated or something in the Branham Tabernacle, you know who did. Because it was a, and it's a great thing. But you know who did. People that get dedicated to Branham Tabernacle, they, they let that be known. Right? If you got baptized at the tabernacle when Brother Branham was alive, people let that be known. Right? And you want a, a great preacher, maybe so-and-so baptized me, and that's what they were doing. And Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He, he even said, I thank God I baptized none of you, except with a couple exceptions. He said, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish. Well, I don't want to be caught on that side, do you? To them that perish, it's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. He didn't say foolish preaching. He said the foolishness of preaching. Preaching itself, the act of doing it, would be seen as foolishness. But that's what God chose to save the world by. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. Oh my, but unto them which are called. How many are called this morning? Unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Listen, he said, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen God hath chosen, amen, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Why do we respect the people that we respect? I want us to think deeply this morning about this. Is it because they have money? Maybe if it's a preacher, they have a big congregation, can speak well. Why do we respect that? Now, again, there's some element of truth to that, to all of that, to age, to money, to the ability to speak. There's some element to a congregation size. There's an element of truth to that. You look at that and you can respect that the man has done well. But you can't solely rely on that to know if, if God is speaking or not. He said, uh, uh, do you rely on, on, pe- on people that are good with people? I know some people want a pastor that is really good with people, and, and I want to be good with people. I want to do the best that I can with people and for people. But if that's all that you rely on in choosing a pastor, there's going to be somebody out there that doesn't even teach the message at all that's going to be better with people. All them 70 men that stood there in judgment of Jesus were better with people than Jesus was. 
Brother Branham said they visited the sick. They went around. I know that's used as an excuse sometimes for pastors to be lazy, but that's not what it is at all. If you look at it, Brother Branham was talking about the fact that they did the things they were supposed to do, but they didn't do the main things. Is it because someone speaks well or because they speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Yes. See, G, uh, Peter, uh, then band of fishermen, ignorant and unlearned. Ignoramuses is what the word means, unlearned. Didn't know how to write their name in boxcar letters, Brother Branham said. Whatever the, I'm not sure what a boxcar letter is, but I guess a big letter. Weren't able to write their names in boxcar letters, but they knew God. <laughs> They were gathered. Jesus chose them. He spent all this time. He only had a congregation of 12. One of them was a devil. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're at the inn. And he was sitting there. And, and he's sitting there with, with the 12. And he's telling them all when, in the story that we read when he said that when he rejoiced in spirit and said, I'm glad you hid these things from the wise and the prudent. He'd sent them out. The 70, he'd sent them out. And they would come back rejoicing that, uh, that all these things had been done. And he said, oh, he said, I thank you, Father. And he told him, he said, don't rejoice by this, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. But there were only 11 of the 70 that were in the Lamb's yeah. book of life. Right. Think about it. And these others, he said, but rejoice, your name is written in the book of life. But even Judas could rejoice in that. But then he began to, uh, in, in another place, he, he said, who do men say that I am? And and, and they said, well, some men say you're Elijah. And I'm sure they were relying on what some learned man said. Yeah. Yeah. There was probably a great teacher that looked and said, well, he could be Elijah. Yeah. He could be this one. He could be that one. Yeah. And even some of the greatest teachers said, well, he's Beelzebub. Yeah. <laughs> but Peter, but he said, who do you say that I am? Yes. He wanted the opinion right. of some ignorant and unlearned disciples. Yeah. God wants your opinion today. Well, Brother Ben says God is good. Brother Ben says that God should be worshipped. Brother Ben said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But who do you say this morning? What do you say about it after you've been through the trial, after you've lost a loved one, after you've been touched by grief? What do you say this morning? Who do you say he is? You can say, he's my comforter, he's my healer, he's my savior, he's my all in all. See, it don't matter so much what I say. I can tell you what the word says, but what do you say about it this morning? What do you say? Who do you say that he is? Yes, Hallelujah. Amen. Peter spoke up, Brother Branham said, like he was speaking in tongues. Right. And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes. Well, what does Peter know? Unlearned fisherman. He said, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my Father, which is in heaven, James 2 and 1. Let's look at this before we go this morning. He says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Yeah. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring. Now maybe today it wouldn't be so much a man with a gold ring. Probably most of you have a, a ring on your finger. But maybe it would be a man driving a nice car. Or, or a man, there's nothing wrong with that. But someone that come in with a nice car, in goodly apparel, dressed to the nines. And if you've been around me much, I appreciate people who dress well in church. I really do. But what if a man came in like that? He'd come in in a, I don't know, a Tesla or a Bentley or some fancy car. He glided in. He got out and he had a great big suit on. 
and his wife looks so nice. And there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. Vile raiment had holes in his jeans that weren't there intentionally. <laughs> had grease spots all over him. Spilled coffee all over his tie on the way. He was wearing one. He come in in vile raiment. <laughs> and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing that's, that's bright, good clothes. You respect to him that weareth the gay clothing and saying to him, sit thou here in a good place. We want you up front. We can see you on the camera. <laughs> sit here in a good place and say to the poor, stand thou there. Sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves? And are become judges of evil thoughts. Do you realize this is how Nicolaitanism come into the church? Right. What started in slaves in Rome began to attract slave masters. Began to attract businessmen. Began to attract politicians. And finally attracted the emperor. And he just welded Christianity. He married Christianity and paganism together and made it the official. And they said at that time, can you imagine how much some of them must have felt? They must have felt like Brother Danny. We made it. Yeah. We finally got recognized by the state. Yeah. They finally got off our backs. They were putting all kinds of restrictions on us. They weren't letting us meet. They were burning our churches. They were taking our children out to the slaughter. They were making it illegal to be a Christian. And yet Christianity grew and prospered. But now we've made it. And it was the day the church died. Right. Brother Brandon said it fell into a Roman cathedral. Yeah. The seed did. Only to be resurrected in the Reformation. This is how it began. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But you've despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? And notice the Christianity was a poor movement. It was a movement of the poor. Now, you know, in this day it's kind of become fashionable, especially over the last hundred years, to turn that on itself to where people despise the rich. So it becomes uh, communism is a, is a thing where well, let's all, us poor people all band together and despise the rich. You realize that's just as wrong. That's also respect of persons to look down on someone who dresses well or has a nice car. Are you with me now? But here in this early church, it was the rich that oppressed them. He said, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. It's amazing to me. You all forgive me for a minute, but when I become a pastor here officially, it's amazing how the attitude of some, uh, some preachers change towards me. I'll just give you a little insight, in, in, inside information. And I was kind of amused by it because I'm still the same guy that I was. But because you now have the title of pastor, Brother Caleb, you'll find that out. You're a deacon now. People look at that, but it's the same Brother Caleb. Right? But a lot of times we have respect to persons. But he said you, you commit sin if you do. And, and I realize you have to respect the office, and people should respect Brother Caleb and the other deacons for their office, but we don't judge the worth of a man by the office that he holds. 
You don't judge the worth of a man by, by the clothes that he wears. You don't judge the worth of a man by his bank account. But you judge, has he been born again? Amen. Has he, has he been born again by the Spirit of God? Has his life changed from what it was? Is he a different person than what he was? That's how you judge it. What is the fruit of his life? We don't judge a ministry by, by its eloquence or a member by their prosperity. 1 Corinthians 2 and 1 says, I, brethren, when I came to you, come not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. He said, we'll get to the deep stuff. We'll preach the revelation, but it'll be to, it won't be worldly wisdom. It'll be the wisdom of God. He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, had those 70 elders known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What is that? The wisdom of God. You don't get that by being old. You don't get that by being well uh, lettered. We could say it like that. You don't get that because you're smart. You get that by the Holy Spirit. Oh, my. Brother Branham said, Eve, which was no doubt an intelligent person, the first right off of Adam, who was the son of God, and Eve certainly being in that spot where there had been no sin, no place for sin, she certainly must have had a wonderful conception of what God was. Now think about it. You say, I understand election. I understand who God is. Brother Branham said, Eve had a wonderful conception of who God was. Think about this for a moment. Yeah, she had a wonderful conception of who, what God was. Because every afternoon, she and her husband walked in the cool of the garden in the evening and talked face to face with God. What an unreasonable thing that a person who would walk face to face with God each day then would turn to the reasoning of something that reasoned her away from the word of God. He said, we've still got them. They're so easily be reasoned away from the word of God after sitting in the presence of God. Oh, my Church, seeing the word of God preached, the word of God made manifest, drunkards and sinners come to the altar and be converted and made new creatures in Christ, people of ill fame made ladies and gentlemen, and then to turn from that blessed thing that led them to this life and then be perverted off after some kind of a creed to become more popular or get into what they call a better class of people. Look how quickly people move away from this conception of God. Having a great conception of God, understanding the word. They're easily reasoned away. Well, so-and-so did something wrong. 
so-and-so failed. The people don't love me. The pastor doesn't love me. That brother so-and-so shouldn't be in that position. And they reason themselves away. Too much emotion. We shouldn't be like that. We should just sit and listen to the word. They reason themselves away. It used to be that tears flowed down their face when, when the word of God was preached. And it used to be that their hands would be raised in the service. But now they sit back and fold their arms and say, well, I've gotten among a better class of people. What would my friends think at work if they saw me at church messed up? What would they think if they saw me with tears running down my face? You know that happens to preachers? It's a dangerous thing with preachers because a preacher many times will think, well, what will the other preachers think if I have to go to the altar and repent? Preachers need to repent too. What will the other preachers think if I have to get down on my knees? What will the other preachers think if I get to worshiping? What will the other preacher, what will the other people, what will the people think if I have to get down and be a part of the church and, and really help out in the church? What will the people think? I thought, I'm above that, but you're not above that. I'm not above that. What will the people think at my work? Well, as you get, as you pro progress in life, and it's a good thing to progress in life, it's a good thing to get better and better off, but as you get better off, be careful. As you move to a better neighborhood and get a nicer car, be careful that you don't start drifting away Amen. and begin to reason away after sitting in the presence of God. And the church slowly gets cold and dead. And everybody's got money. We got all our needs met. But nobody will ever make a move. Are you with me now? Oh, we're a mature church. We'd be better off not. If that's what maturity is, to yeah. shut off the fountains of the blessings of God, right. we'd be better off not being mature. Right. If maturity means we never have a move of the Spirit, we can never welcome a sinner. Yeah. We'd never have an altar call. If that's what maturity means, well, we have church order now, Brother Ben, you don't understand. If that's what maturity to you means, yeah. you'd be better off yeah. having a little less order. You forgive me this morning. I gotta preach this afternoon too, so I don't want to get too bad. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself too. Every one of us, we're human beings. We think this way. Yes, sir. <laughs> Brother Brown said, Why well, you're in the best class that there is. <laughs> oh, I'm in the I'm in the lower class, the higher class, the middle class. He said, You're in the best class there is. What is it, Brother Ben? You're in the best class there is. He said, well, I like sons and daughters of God. Well, I like that company better than I would with all the kings and potentates and everything else. Hallelujah. He said, give me that humble bunch of people if they don't know their right hand from their left. As long as they know God had to think about that. As long as they know God and love him and serve him. That's the celebrity of heaven. Hallelujah. You may not be the celebrity of Hardy. You may not be the celebrity of Ash Flat or wherever you're from, but you are the celebrity of heaven. Yeah. We don't believe in class warfare going either way. Communism is a spirit, Brother Branham said. It's caused by the devil. Socialism and all these other things, it's the devil. So is the, so is the business class and all these things that, that promote, want to promote you above the people and, and live all by themselves, keep everything for themselves. It's all of the devil. God's people are giving people. God's people are loving people. 
This is the best class that there is. If they have it, they'll give it away. If they don't have it, God will bless them with it. Amen. And God will give them exactly what they have need of. He never promised that you'd have the best car, but he said that my God will supply all of your needs. Amen. And he may bless you with all kinds of material blessings just so you can bless somebody else. And I say thank God for that. But the person that's blessed, who's greater? God may have raised you up just to bless some person that has nothing. So the person who could never afford to have nice chairs in their home could come to church and sit on nice chairs. Are you with me now? The person that could never afford to have a nice car or or a nice uh, place to eat could come to church and have a nice place to eat. Why? Because here we're all on the same level. I'll preach that till the day I die. You don't exalt your pastor. If you do, it's going to be trouble. I don't think we have trouble with that right now. But if you do, it'll cause me problems. Please don't. The celebrity of heaven is sitting right here. Brother Branham talked about it. Every time he'd get up to preach, he'd, or many times he'd get up and he'd say, what would I do if a charger or a vessel with the blood of Jesus was, was put in my hands? How would I handle it? He said, but there's something greater than that, which is the purchase of the blood, which is you, which is you. It's these little girls here on the front, these little boys. It's you. You're the, you're the purchase of his blood. You're greater than the blood. How I would care for that blood if I had it. How should I care for you? Right. <laughs> it's a great responsibility. James 3 and 13. Look at wisdom, God's way. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, a good lifestyle, his works with meekness of wisdom. If he's wise, let him show it in the way he acts. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Don't call that wisdom if it's bitterness. Well, I've learned not to trust people. That's bitterness, not wisdom. I've learned to contradict everything that's being said and to sit in the church. Y'all going to have to quit saying amen or I'm going to keep preaching. (laughs) I've learned to sit back and be critical of the songs and be critical of the trustees and the deacons and the pastor and everybody else. I've learned to sit back. I don't believe we have a person like that here. But if you are, if the shoe fits, wear it this morning. Oh, I, I, I've learned to do that. You need to unlearn. You need to unlearn some things. This wisdom, he said, don't lie against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy. And good fruits without partiality. You realize what a challenge it is to make decisions without being partial? And without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. James 4, 1 through 7. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members, that your desires in your own flesh? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you have not. Sounds like churches I've been in. You fight in war, I don't want that to ever be us. Yet you have not because you ask not. 
You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own desires. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Don't you want to be the humble today? Because you want to have grace. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Where are you resisting him? Where does it come from? From your own flesh. Resist this devil. And he will flee from you. Amen. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Hey man, I want to give this, this example and read a, just a few more scriptures and we'll go. You remember the Queen of Sheba? The Queen of Sheba come to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She was called the, the Queen of the South. Her priest warned her against it, Brother Branham said. Because he said, oh, that's just a bunch of, of fanatics. A bunch of holy rollers up there. We have the real religion. If there was something, if there was wisdom, it would come from your godly priest. But where did Solomon's wisdom come from? In 2 Chronicles 1.11, it said, God said to Solomon, because this was in that heart, he said, Solomon, you can have whatever you ask for. And Solomon said, give me wisdom. But he didn't want wisdom to be wise. He wanted wisdom to be able to know how to deal with God's people. How to make righteous judgments. He said, this was in thy heart. Thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies. Neither yet has asked long life, but has asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself. That thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. And I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have the like. Now here his kingdom begin to progress. And the queen of Sheba heard about it. And the Bible says when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, I love the way she come with expectation. Yeah. 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 Now, if she found it wasn't real, she'd have taken her camels back. She wasn't going to give them something that wasn't right. Brother Branham took that and, and condemned those Pentecostal people for sending money to everything. Yeah. Stuff that, that was even anti-word. And believe the days of miracles passed, he said you send in money to the radio programs. But she brought it with her and then asked hard questions. Yeah. 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 Huh? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. She wanted to know that this was what God was doing. This was the move of God in her hour. And so she come down and says when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon, I love this, told her all her questions. It didn't say Solomon told her all her answers to the questions, but he told her her questions. Amen. Oh, I believe God still does that today. The Bible says the word is a discerner of the heart, thoughts and intent of the heart. Yep. We've seen that in our day with Brother Branham. The word told, Solomon told her all her questions. and There was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table. Oh, that's what we ought to look at is the meat that's on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much the building. Not so much in this age that we live in. Not so much the quality of the pews. Not so much the quality of the sound, but look at the meat that's on the table. 
It's the meat that's being offered, something that'll give us joy, that'll give us strength, that'll give us encouragement, that'll help us along the journey. Or is it just bitterness and strife and envying and woe? What's being offered to the people? I'll tell you what, it'll reflect in the people. Remember when Daniel and his three friends ate, they refused the king's table, and they ate of their own the things according to the law, and it said they were the fattest, they were the most healthy, they had the best countenance in the end. Why? Because they knew that God had a way of eating that was right. Amen. I believe today spiritually that God has a way of eating that's right. And when you eat of it, the church will get fat. If we can say it that way, the church will get healthy. The church will have a joy on their countenance. Why? They've been eating right. Yes, sir. She looked at the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers. She looked at the deacons and the trustees and how everything was in order. She said, his cup, their apparel, his cupbearers also in their apparel. And his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. And there was no more spirit in her. She was awestruck. She said to the king, it was a true report, which I'd have heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not their words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. And in 2 Chronicles 9.23, the Bible says, All the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. And Jesus goes on and says, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. She said, he said, they come to hear her wisdom or his wisdom from the utmost parts of the earth. He said, behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And the Pharisees looked at that and thought, this man's crazy. (laughs) Because a greater than Solomon wore dusty sandals. Brother Branham said he didn't look like a leader. He didn't look like a leader. We wouldn't have elected him president. I know they usually elect the president with the best hair. If you look down through history, the guys, two guys running against him, not always, but usually. Best care. Me and Brother Danny don't have a chance. They usually elect the president with the best hair. I, I have, I do have the best hair, Brother Danny. It's just not here. God's got it. <laughs> but a greater than Solomon was there. There was no beauty that they should desire. He didn't have his ministers were twelve outlaws, publicans and sinners, fishermen, thieves. The one I told you about with the curved dagger went around hurting people. Simon the Zealot was a member of a, of a cult that would go around with curved daggers and kill one another. He was one of them. And the people, the Pharisees looked at that and said, you're a bunch of Galileans. It's like being from Arkansas today. Bunch of Galileans. Or Cajuns maybe, I don't know. Bunch of Galileans. What, what do these people have to say? What, what good would their opinion be? They said it's greater than Solomon. But she came not for the trapping. She saw all that, but that's not why she came. She heard of the wisdom of Solomon. That's right. And they missed the God who could stand there <laughs> and tell them who they are yeah. and where they come from. 
what their address was. Oh, my. And in this age, the same thing is repeated. And I still believe it's still being repeated today. People miss God in flesh. Brother Bram said, oh, there was no more life left in her. Her breath was taken from her. Because here was a man that didn't know her. A stranger revealed the things she wanted to know. Oh, and Jesus standing there, which was more than Solomon. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was the virgin-born son of God. He clothed upon him, and Jehovah himself manifested in the flesh. And here he was standing there in the fullness. And they said they wouldn't believe him a greater discernment. He was Solomon plus David plus all the rest of them was all in him. All the prophets were wound up in him a greater than Solomon. And even at that day, he said, if you speak them words against me, I'll forgive you. But when the Holy Ghost comes, it'll be greater than it is now and more condemnation. And here we stand today seeing that very same God. Listen, listen, it it indicted that generation of Pentecostals and and evangelicals. It indicted that generation because they did not see what God was doing. He said here, I believe, he said we stand today seeing that very same God do the very same thing. I believe she'll rise in the day of judgment and condemn this generation because she repented and believed the message that Solomon was preaching and believed on God. She's seen something real. He said, you know what's the trouble today? He said, there's many people with the people that belongs and just go to church and have a creed. They've seen so much false, so much statues, so much big fine buildings. He said, let's not ever get off in that kind of a tantrum. See, God don't dwell in big buildings. He dwells in your heart. God don't dwell in intellectual education. He's far from it. He dwells in humility in your heart. He dwells in his word and his word comes into your heart and speaks itself out and declares he interprets his own word through you. Oh my, can we hear it this morning? He is trying to find somebody he can get a hold of to show that he is still God. And he is. He will do that if he can just get somebody he can speak to. Oh my. Musicians, go ahead and come this morning. Listen, the wisdom that was hidden from the priest was revealed to the disciples by election. God chose to show it to them. Brother Bram said, oh men and women tonight, if you could look around and see how close we are to the coming of the Lord. I want to preach about that, the Lord willing, this afternoon. What would we do if if the coming of the Lord was tomorrow? What would we really do? Brother Ben, you don't know if it is. You don't know if it's not. Oh, if you could look around and see how close we are to the coming of the Lord. You who've put off the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You maybe relied upon some sensation or something that you've done that Satan called away in consciousness. How can a man that claims to have the Holy Ghost deny one word of this Bible being not right? Listen to me, church. It's a separating line. One word. But that one's not important. One word. But he's so-and-so. He belongs to so-and-so's family. One word. See, you can't do it. No matter how religious you are, how many churches you belong to, how many books your name's on, if that genuine Holy Ghost is in you, which is this word manifested, you'll see the message and the hour because it's the Holy Ghost that does it. He said, but there has to be something like that off inspiration strike you if you pour water on the ground and there's no seed in there to strike it how can it ever bring forth anything there's nothing there to bring forth he said that is only the elected of god will see it the elected of god seen it in noah's time moses time jesus time the apostles time are you with me this afternoon 
the apostles' time, Luther's time, Wesley's time, Pentecostal time, because that was the seed that was on the earth when this inspiration was poured out. Now all the inspirations poured out to gather the bride together. It's only those who are elected who will see it. Jesus said, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast hid these things from the eyes of the wise and prudent and revealed it to babes such as that would learn. And I say this morning, Lord, make me a baby that can learn. Make me a child. He said, in understanding be men, but in malice be children. Don't sit there with rejecting the word because of the dressing that is in. Remember, they rejected. They rejected the Messiah that day because of the package it was wrapped in. It was wrapped in flesh. It was wrapped in a little baby in a manger, and they rejected that package. Oh, God, I pray that we as message people today wouldn't reject the word of God. But when it's wrapped, not me, but the word wrapped in human flesh. People who are fallible, but the word is infallible. I pray that we could receive it today. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Amen. He knows what you have need of. Would you bow your heads with me today and say, play What do you have need of today? The greater than Solomon is here. If you really believed, if you really believed that the wisdom of God was present, what would you ask? What would you want to know? But the wisdom of God is present. He can show you in His Word. He can allow it to be preached across the pulpit. He can discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Oh, if you've waited to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you've never received that wisdom, you still think carnally, you walk carnally, walk as men, I pray you would receive that today. Maybe you've gotten bitter in your time in the house of God over years of seeing things that were wrong. You grow bitter and cold and hard because of the, the things you've been through. And I understand that, but you can't stay that way. I know that why you would be bitter, but you cannot remain in that condition and go into rapture. You can't do it. I wish I I had the ability to say it in a way so that you would understand. You've got to be right with God. Forget all the wisdom of the world, all the things you've learned. Unlearn those things today. Let the wisdom of God pour into your life and your heart. Brother Ben, I'm afraid. I don't know how I'm going to do what God's required me to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to be a a song leader or a deacon or a trustee or a singer or or, or a member of the bride. I don't know. You don't know my past. I don't don't know how I'm going to do it. Let the wisdom of God come down into your heart and your soul today and just begin to wash out all the the thoughts of of failure, all the thoughts of unbelief, all the thoughts that tell you you're not good enough, you're not going to make it, and let God do what He wants to do in your life. Just let him do that today. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, how we love you. Oh God, we want to be real Christians today. May there be nothing that would hold us back. Lord, we want to go in that rapture. When that body change comes, Lord, we want to be ready at that moment. What would we be? What would we act like, Lord, if that moment was here? Lord, if we knew that moment was here, what would we do? Oh God, I pray you'd help us today. Lord, if we... We, we see the hour, Lord, of people rejecting the Holy Ghost, people who are set under the presence of God, and yet they turn away from the Holy Ghost, and they make everything so structured, and they make everything just, oh, it's got to fit a certain program. It's got to fit my idea of what wisdom is. Oh, God, I pray you'd reach out to that soul today. Help them to know that wisdom is not years. Wisdom is not experience, but wisdom is what falls by inspiration from your spirit. 
Lord, that matches up with the word that does not contradict the word of God, but it comes by inspiration and speaks from the young to the old and draws us to Calvary. The preaching of the cross, foolishness, foolishness to the Greeks, a stumbling block to the Jews, but the wisdom and power of God to those who believe. I pray you'd grant it today. I pray you'd wash us of all the wisdom of the world. May we think like Christians today. May we prefer and honor one another, love one another, Lord, with all that we have in us. Lord, and I know you'll be pleased with that. I pray you grant it now to every heart. If there's one, Lord, that needs prayer today. I pray they would come with faith and assurance, knowing, Lord, you're going to speak in their life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I love this song. you sing it now? Oh,
they would renounce the name of Christ. But one by one, they chose to die. The Son of God, they would not deny. Like a great angelic choir sings, I can almost hear their voices ring. I've With all I am, I will seek to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Second verse. And now the years have come, and the years have gone. But the cause of Jesus still goes on. And now our time has come to count the cost, to reject this world, to embrace the cross. So one by one, let us live our lives for the one who to give us life till the trumpet sounds on that final day let us proudly stand and boldly say with all our hearts I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength with all I am, I will seek to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. We love the Lord this morning. Let's sing this just before we go. We haven't sung it in a while, or I haven't. Going up yonder, see if we can sing this. Just sing it with me as we worship the Lord. We'll sing this through, and then we'll go. <clears throat> be remembering the service coming up this evening, 3 o'clock. Be praying for Brother Ben. God would just move upon him. Just give him strength for this evening. <clears throat> Amen. Let's just sing this. Oh, if you want to know. I'm going up yonder. Oh. 
yonder to be with my Lord. Let's sing that second verse. Oh, I can take the pain, the heartaches they bring. There's comfort in knowing that I'll soon be gone. Oh, as God gives me grace, I'll run this Christian race until I see my Savior go face to face with all our hearts. in the name of the Lord. Yes, I'm going up yonder. I'm going up yonder. Yes, I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. I can take the pain they bring there's comfort in knowing how soon be gone as God gives me grace I'll run this Christian race until I see my Savior 